number of years ago, I took a, a course on Microsoft Project. In fact, I became certified in Microsoft Project. Uh, and it's one of those certifications that I have. Maybe you've got some of these, and I've never used it since. Like, I think I might have opened Microsoft Project twice since the class. Uh, but there's one thing I remember from the class, and it was uh, called the three-legged stool of any project management. And those, uh, the three legs are scope, time, and budget. And scope has to do with uh, how, what's the scope of the project? Are you building a chair? Are you building a house, a city? Time, how much time do you, is it going to take? Uh, do you have a day to get it done? Do you have a year to get it done? And then budget really has to do with uh, resourcing. What do you, uh, because uh, how many people are you going to hire? Uh, are you going to transport the materials by truck or by air? And everything has a price associated to it. And so one thing they taught us is that um, the, the reason it's three-legged stool is because if you, if you mess with one leg, something else uh, has to adjust, right? So if you say, I, was, I wanted to build a 1,000-foot house, and now I want to build a 5,000-square-foot house, well, it's going to take you longer to build. But you say, no, no, I don't want it to take longer to build. Well, then it's going to cost a lot more, right? If you want to, if you want to increase the scope of the project, keep the timeline the same, you're going to have to hire a lot more people, uh, etc. So in our, in our Bible text today, where Jesus gives us the Great Commission, I, I found it uh, fascinating that he gives us the scope, the time, and in a sense, the budget of the task today. And uh, so we'll get there in, in a bit. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. We started our series last week, Easter Sunday, uh, talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The book of Acts would make no sense. A book of Acts would not exist if Jesus Christ were not alive today leading his church. Uh, he is the head of the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented them himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So right, off the, right out, out of the chute, we uh, learn a lot about uh, the setting here. First off, he says, in the first book. So this is the second. Acts is the second of two books. What's the first book? Luke, if you did your homework this week. By the way, we have uh, homework, thanks to Chris Mulholland, out on our website and on the app. You can uh, work through that in advance of Sunday and get more out of it. So... Um, Yes, the Acts is the second. The first book is the Gospel of Luke, and so the writer is Luke, the Greek physician. He was a, a companion of the Apostle Paul. O Theophilus. Theophilus means friend of God, and it was a common name. Uh, but most people believe that Theophilus was probably uh, either wealthy or somebody in, with some political power, might have even commissioned Luke. Maybe he paid Luke to write a history of uh, kind of, of Christianity. 
In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. I love this wording. Uh, why doesn't he say, I, I, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught? Gospel of Luke uh, starts with the birth of Christ, ends with the ascension of Jesus up into heaven. Uh, and I love how he says, all that Jesus began to do and teach. Well, it's because Jesus is alive today, and he's still doing, and he's still teaching. Uh, in fact, uh, the, this book is titled The Acts of the Apostles, but we've got to understand that that title didn't come until many years later, as Christians gave titles to uh, the books of the Bible. And some have suggested that a better title might have been The Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus Through His Apostles. Uh, it, well, fundamental understanding of the church is that although we're acting, it's Jesus, the head of his church, who is building the church. It's him acting through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus is still doing and teaching today. It's awesome. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen... He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So that's what we saw. Uh, one of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ to his disciples. And you know, these guys, here's what's um, so real about the Bible. Uh, these guys had seen Jesus bring Lazarus back from the dead. They'd seen him raise up a couple of other folks from the dead, like uh, Jairus, and yet, even though they had seen that, the, this idea of eternal life, the idea of resurrection from the dead is so radical and such a dramatic worldview shift that even those who had walked with Jesus every day for three years required some proof. And we saw Thomas, right? I ha unless I see the nail prints, uh, in his hands, and I see the wound in his side, I will not believe. This is a, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, in his mercy, for over a period of 40 days, the resurrected Lord appears to his uh, uh, disciples and convinces them, I'm alive. It's me. I'm no longer dead. And uh, this is my resurrected body. I'm alive. And so we know... One of the greatest proofs of the resurrection is the fact that uh, the apostles went out into the world and uh, all but 11 of them died for that witness. They were so convinced that, that Jesus had risen from the dead and that they too would conquer death that they were willing to die in the proclamation of the gospel. And uh, people don't die for what they know to be a lie. But remember what Jesus says, blessed are those who believe uh, without seeing, and that's us, right? We haven't seen the risen Lord Jesus. We will someday. Uh, we haven't yet. So what do we believe? We're believing in the testimony of those who did. Verse 4, and while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And what, we're going to talk about this next week. Next week is Pentecost. 
the coming of the Holy Spirit, a complete game changer. Life lived on your own is totally different from life lived indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. And so we'll talk about that next week. But here, let me just say, uh, here's what I hear Jesus saying. Guys, uh, don't, even, don't even try to go out on mission until the Holy Spirit is with you. Because uh, without the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling your life and empowering your words and your actions, uh, you will fail. We don't have it in our, in our own strength. We can do nothing uh, that is good, nothing uh, spiritually significant. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, you've got to remember that the, the disciples had come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But they, they had a religious worldview that was shaped by the culture in which they lived. And in their uh, in their understanding, their, their understanding of the scriptures, when the Messiah came, he was going to launch his kingdom. And so the disciples uh, were expecting Jesus at any, any time to kick the Romans out of Israel and establish himself as king in Jerusalem and begin to rule the world. And remember, while they lived, uh, while they walked with him, they were, ex they were waiting for this. They were anticipating it, and they were extremely distressed and extremely confused when Jesus was crucified. What in the world is going on? How can he be the Messiah if he's dying? And so, remember, they scatter. But now Jesus is alive from the dead, and so their, their, uh, their hopes are rekindled. And so they're saying, you know, here he is. He's risen from the dead. Uh, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, it, surely it's got to start now. Now, Jesus does not, um, he doesn't critique them. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't say your expectations and hope is, is wrong. It's just an issue of timing. Because the fact of the matter is Jesus Christ will someday reign on earth. It will someday be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus Christ will be king. And listen, we, we're just like the disciples. I don't know about you, but I find myself praying quite often. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I want Jesus to come back. I want wicked, uh, wicked people to no longer be in charge. I want evil to be crushed, and I long for Christ to establish his kingdom here on earth. And so Jesus doesn't, uh, he's not condemning this hope. He's not uh, trying to take it away from his disciples. But he says this, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you, you've got a job to do, guys. You're going to be my witnesses. And so uh, I've got a slide here just to remind us. There was the Old Testament period, and, and the prophets didn't talk about the church age, the Old Testament prophets. Christ came 
in his first coming, he died to pay the penalty for sin. And now there is this age that we call the church age that lasts until Christ returns the second time. Uh, we might also call it the age of witness. And this is the age that the disciples uh, were unaware of. And Jesus had to tell them, hey, there's, this, there's an age you didn't expect, and it's the age of witness. It's the time in which my followers will go out into all of the world to the ends of the earth and proclaim me, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, proclaim what I did. I died on the cross to pay the penalty for sins, to proclaim the gospel, the good news, that your sins can be forgiven. You can be reconciled to God because of Jesus. If you'll repent of your sins, put your faith in him and follow him. This is the age of witness. Verse 9. Oh, I, actually, I wanted to say this, which is um, we sometimes say to ourselves, why is he taking so long, right? Please, hurry up, come back. It's been 2,000 years. Why are you lingering? And we're told that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. This is important for us to hear. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. So he's, he's not forgetful. He's not like up there in heaven like, oh yeah, I forgot about those guys. Rather, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Why is the uh, age of witness, why is the church age so long? Because God is so merciful. Because there are still people you and I know and love who don't yet know Jesus, who are not yet going to heaven. And God is not willing that any should perish, and so in his mercy, he keeps, he's delaying his return. But you know what? Look what he says next. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Jesus will return, and when it comes, it's going to come like a thief in the night, and it could happen today. That is the reality. Christ could return today. We don't know when the age of witness is over. So let's not sit on our hands. Let's capitalize on it. Let's be about the business of being witnesses for Christ in our classrooms, in our, uh, with our friends, at work, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and all around the world. Verse 9, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So here's the ascension of Jesus Christ. Uh, after 40 days of uh, proving his uh, resurrection to his disciples, now he ascends to the Father and where he is today, at the right hand, seated at the right hand of the Father. And the presence of Jesus Christ to us is mediated by his Holy Spirit. Uh, but there is coming a day when Jesus Christ will himself return and then establish his kingdom. And we long for that. 
But here's the point, here's the big point for today. If you got your bulletin, here's your very first fill-in. Here's the thing I want us to remember. And I love the way the story puts it. Uh, it puts it, um, here's the story. Here's, what do we, the question is, well, what are we supposed to do between now and when Jesus comes back? And the point is made uh, through a narrative. Uh, I love it. Here are the, Jesus has gone back to heaven, and you, the apostles, they're like, they're just staring into the sky. <laughs> and then a couple of angels appear, and they're like, hey, guys, what are you doing Look up in the sky? Uh, Jesus is going to return someday. And I think the, the, the subtext is, aren't you supposed to be doing something? Yeah. And so here's the big point of today. Uh, let's, don't be waiting, be witnessing. That's the big point. I'm saved, and I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come back because I got my ticket to heaven, and I want off of this planet. Right? We can have that attitude. I'm good. You know, my kids are good. We're going to heaven. Let's just enjoy the earth. But we have a task. There's a reason we're still on planet earth as Christians. It's to be a witness. That's a fundamental that is our fundamental mission in life is to be a witness of Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus in our world. Don't just wait, witness. And now there are many ways we go about this. Um, somebody once said, I am, a, uh, I am a missionary cleverly disguised in an, as an electrician, right? How do, and, and so I, I want to, the challenge for us today, what I want you to really be asking yourself is, uh, what is my core mission in the world? Uh, I'm always a little perplexed when Christians are like, I'm, I'm really wrestling with like, trying to figure out my purpose in life and my mission in life. I'm like, what? You know, you understand if you're trying to struggle with, uh, you know, your career path, but you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You have a mission. It's to be a witness for Christ in the world. That is number one. That is your mission. We go about that in many different ways. I'm going about it as a, a, ch a church leader. Some of you go about it as a business leader or as a uh, uh, stay-at-home mom or as my brother, dad. <laughs> and uh, so you just, you have many, we have many different ways we go about this. But how do you think of yourself? Do you think of yourself as, first and foremost, uh, I am a person on mission with God, a witness for the risen Lord Jesus. Now, the disciples, the apostles, I should say, um, they took this command very literally. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So, here's what the apostles did. James, uh, he stayed in Israel, but he took care of the church in uh, Israel. Andrew went to Russia, Greece, and Scotland. <coughs> Philip went to Turkey. Bartholomew went to Persia, India, and Armenia. Matthew went to Ethiopia, Persia, Macedonia, Syria, and the kingdom of the Parthians. Thomas went to India. By the way, this is prior to airplanes you know, and, uh, and highways. It was a big deal. James, son of Alphaeus, went to Syria and Persia. Simon the Zealot went to Egypt and as far as the British Isles. Thaddeus went to Mesopotamia, near Turkey and Iran. John went to Ephesus and Asia Minor and the island of Patmos. 
Peter went to Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Britannia, and finally uh, Rome, Italy. And most of these guys died out there on the mission field. So uh, they, heard, they heard Jesus, <laughs> go be my witnesses, and they like, okay, that applies to us. He's telling us what to do with our lives. Now, when we, modern-day followers of Jesus, read this text, we have to ask the question, could he be, is Jesus talking to me too or just those guys? Is this a command that, that is for me? And I think back to the uh, three legs of the project uh, management stool. We have to, I guess the question would be, is, is the project, is the mission over? Has it been completed? Jesus tells us the scope, which is in, in Matthew, it's put this way, go into all the world and make disciples in my name, baptizing them in the Father, Son, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and uh, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So the scope is the entire world, every person on planet Earth, they become a believer and, a, and an obeyer of my command. That's not yet happened. Uh, what's the time frame? The time frame is you do it until Christ returns. And then the resource, the budget, it's you and me. Uh, Spirit, Holy Spirit-empowered followers of Jesus Christ. So here's the bottom line. Uh, the mission isn't over until Jesus returns. And so this, Jesus could not have simply been talking to the apostles. He's talking to his followers throughout the ages. Be my witnesses. The vision and mission of Clearwater Church are, are not fancy. If you look at the back of your bulletin, they're there every week. Uh, and the mission of our church is, it's the great commission. To make disciples, teach them to obey all that Christ has commanded. That's what we do. That's why we exist as a church. And at the end of the day, when we ask ourselves, are we being successful as a church or not? Are we making disciples? Are we teaching people to obey all that he has commanded? And only that and only that. It doesn't matter how we feel, right? Uh, it doesn't even matter how big we are, how big our budget is. Are people coming to putting their faith in Jesus Christ? Are they learning to obey Jesus more and more each day? That's why we exist as a church. And so the challenge, uh, a challenge for us today, a challenge for you today is uh, just be asked that question. Uh, am I on mission with God? How does he want me to be a part uh, of, the, of, his, of this great task? Am I involved as much as I could be? Is, am I defining, is this the defining mark of my life? Or is it a sideshow of my life? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, God might call some of you to go to the ends of the earth. Some right here. The Holy Spirit might call you to uproot and go live some far off country. And learn a new language. And, and be, become a witness for Christ there. For most of us, we'll probably stay right here in our Jerusalem. But whether we're here or there, uh, we, need to, 
We need to be a part of the mission. It needs to be significant, a significant part of our lives. Let me finish with uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What can you do to make your light shine brighter for Christ? Wherever you are right now, It's good to ask these questions. It's good to pray, Lord, how can I shine brighter for you? How can I be a more effective witness for you? It takes intentionality. It takes prayer. It takes action oftentimes. I remember when I was in college and I was uh, praying about, Lord, how can I shine brighter for you? How can I be more of a witness for you in my school? And I remember the Lord gave me the idea of uh, creating a prayer box in my house. Uh, and so I just I got permission to do this, and, and I had this kind of a, a bulletin board and a place where people could write prayer requests and put them in the box. And then I began to pray for them. And then I got other Christians in our house who uh, were curious about the board. And I said, why don't you join me? Let's pray together for these, uh, for these requests. And just sort of up the whole profile of prayer and of Christ in our house. Just one little small thing. It doesn't have to be monumental. You don't necessarily have to uh, become a missionary to shine brighter for the Lord and to be his witness. So let's pray. Lord, let's just take some time and uh, process. I believe that through this text... Uh, the risen Lord Jesus is talking to you and to me today. And he's saying to us, I want you to be my witness. Will, do, are you willing to respond to that and say, yes, Lord, I will? He said, I've given you my Holy Spirit to empower you to be an effective witness. Are you willing to pray? God, give me ideas. Challenge me. Help me to see how I can burn a brighter for you. How can I be more effective as a witness for you? Are you willing to open your heart to pray that? He might give you a big challenge. He might give you uh, a scary challenge. Are you willing to open your, your heart to that? If you are, just do that, right? In your heart, Lord, I want to, I want to be your witness. I'm willing to be your witness. Give me creative ideas to burn, uh, how I can shine even brighter for you. Are you willing to uh, up and move if the Lord calls you to?
Do you have barriers? Lord, I'm willing to be your witness, but only this far. Are you willing to knock the barriers down and say, you know what, I want to be your witness, period. No matter what it costs me, it costs the lives of of, uh, most of the apostles. It, It has cost the lives of countless Christians throughout the ages. It's not necessarily a comfortable job, not necessarily a safe job, but boy, is it rewarding. Boy, is it significant, eternal significance, souls at stake. We possess, we, the follower of Jesus Christ, we're the ones who possess the, the gospel, the good news, the hope of eternal life, the message of how to be reconciled to God the Father. Nobody else does. We cannot be silent. We must be bold. We must be courageous. We must be willing. Risen Lord Jesus, we choose to say yes to your challenge, to your mission. We want to be a part of it. Lord, we, we want the, uh, the best years to be in front of us as we say yes to you, empowered by your Holy Spirit. Use us individually, Lord. Use us as a church. God, I pray, uh, I, I pray for more souls this year. I pray that you would privilege us to see uh, men and women and children this year in 2015 come to Christ to get baptized and Lord that we would be be faithful to teach them to obey all that you have commanded we want to be on mission for you that's why we exist as a church and Lord we know that someday when we're standing face face to face before you when you return uh, we're going to give an account for the way we've lived our lives and when, when we hear we want to hear well done good and faithful servant and we know that Really what you're saying is, way to use your life. Way to be on mission with me. Way to be my witness in the world. Way to take risks. Way to sacrifice. Way to, be, way to be, stay focused. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your challenge today. In your name we pray. Amen.